So happy Cinco de Mayo, everybody. As he does each Wednesday during the baseball season, associate head baseball coach Anthony Babineau is in the house joining me for the hour. So Cinco de Mayo, do you get into it or is it kind of like, yeah, I'm somewhere and someone's got some salsa and maybe a cold Mexican beer, I'll drink it, but that's about it. Well, that's about it these days. You know, back in the day, you know, when Might have a few, few years margaritas. ago. Right. You know, yeah. Patty in the Park. Um, you know, they, just, they had all these things going on, you know. You mean for each holiday when there was an excuse to have a good time, you were going to take it. Right. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. But, you know, now as we grow older. I don't know. Go on. Well, <laughs> some still partake, some don't, you know. What's the what's like it's the biggest thing for Cinco de Mayo for me this this nowadays is my good buddy Britton Oob who used to coach here with us was on the Omaha staff with us his birthday is May the fifth so that's you know that's what Cinco de Mayo is for me these days it is uh, Britton's birthday if there's something you could get back from when you were younger would it just be like being able to celebrate a day like today kind of hard and then just have a few hours of sleep and wake up like you got ten hours of sleep. You could do that back in the day, for sure. And not do that anymore. No, 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 no. Can't do that anymore. But back then, that was nothing for all of us, really. But, you know, you grow up, you grow older, you have more responsibilities, you have to act like a grown-up. Scott? Times change. Yes, sir. For the good, though. Absolutely. For the good. ESPN1420.com. Bab is here with us. If anybody has questions for him, you can email me throughout the show, scott at ESPN. 1420.com um let's start with let's start with a, a something i think i know that you enjoyed i know you view as a positive and that is that 100% outdoor capacity yeah that's a great thing you know the fact that anyone who really wants to come and watch us play has an opportunity to now you know and even though we had 100% capacity this past weekend, obviously, you know, we didn't get to that, but it's going to take some time. And if it'll happen this year, I don't know. We've played three fourths of the season now and, and folks out there kind of, you know, in the habit of, okay, I have this package. I'll go on these days, may have made other plans or, you know, just for whatever reasons uh, are choosing to watch the broadcast on ESPN plus the ones that are provided on that median. So, Hopefully this weekend we'll have a little bit more. That'd be great, you know. Uh, Mother's Day on on Sunday, moms are gonna come out and throw the first pitch, like like every time we have Mother's Day at at home. So that'll be very nice to see. So, but very excited that you know at least we have the opportunity to get everyone in that wants to come in and that things are opening up. I think that's a great sign. When did when did Robe start that tradition? I don't remember the exact year, but. We've done it for quite a few years because I know, you know, that was one of the memories that came up on Facebook for me today of me and, and my mom with, with mom throwing out the first pitch. So, and, and she did it, I think, four or five times. You know, she did it every time we did it. So, you know, it's got to line up, obviously, on a, on a home date. Um, but I think it's been four or five times that we've done it throughout the years. How'd she do? she get it there? Oh, yeah, she got it there. Big old smile on her face. She had an arm? Uh, well, we moved her up a little bit, you know, okay, uh, okay. a good bit, <laughs> but she was always, I'm sure in her heyday, she had an arm. Oh, that's what I hear. You know, uh, I think she played basketball when she was young and 
maybe some softball, but is that where you got your athleticism from? I don't know. I would suppose. I guess uh, my dad. I don't think played played sports too much when he was young. He had to he had to work at a very early age, you know, for his parents and because they were older and out on the farm and all that good stuff. But uh, she told me she was a little athletic. What Anthony Babineau, I guess, in athleticism in baseball. I mean, many many years ago. Don Crook said, uh, I'm not an athlete, I'm a baseball player. Now, Crook is a, a great multi time, a great baseball player, and was not, you know, you saw him with your shirt off, you wouldn't be like, oh, that guy's a, you know, one of the most premier athletes in the world when he was at the top of his craft. How much is um, athleticism underplayed or, or in some cases overplayed? Do you feel like it's this myth when it comes to baseball? Like, well, you don't have to be as good athlete as, as perhaps these other sports, and you could still do great things. Negative. I don't believe that at all. If 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 John Crook, if that was the 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 model, so to speak, if Crook was, and I remember when he said that, and I know what he's he's just referring to. Around, yeah. But if if John Crook was a baseball player, <laughs> not an athlete, then there's a lot more athletes that are playing professional sports, especially baseball. And no, you you want to be as athletic as possible. You know, that was one of the reasons, and I'm sure you'll probably talk about this as we go on, but one of the reasons we were able to take a Tyler Robertson like we did and move him to third base, this him make some of the plays that he made because of athleticism. You know, you want to have you want to have athletes. If you have athletes, if you have athletic ability in your players, no matter what sport, you can get away with certain things, you can make certain moves, guys can adapt, adjust. You don't want, at least we don't want just, we don't want a quote-unquote baseball player. We don't want a guy that can just do one thing. We want guys that can do multiple things, that can adjust on the fly, adapt, overcome, and, and just be athletic. That's that's the model that we want. Who's the best athlete on the team right now? You can you can argue between Robertson, Connor Cook, Connor Cook is an extreme athlete. Um, you know, Connor would tell you it's him, and a lot of the other guys will tell you it's him. Also, he's he's a very athletic dude, very athletic. Where where, where does C.J. Willis stack up when you talk about guys being able to do multiple things? He stacks up there. You know, he's he's athletic a little differently. You know, he's not as C.J.'s athletic, but he's not as fast twitch as say a Cook or a, a T.R. You know, but with CJ, I would use the term versatile more so than gotcha. Not, I wouldn't use versatile more than athletic because he's athletic. But I think TR's athleticism allows him to do a lot of things. CJ is versatile, if that makes any sense. So, what what went into the decision, you know, in, in moving TR over to third? Trying to get another, trying to score more. You know, we know that when we score five, six, seven runs, we win. That's kind of the bottom line if you look at the stats because our pitching staff has done a tremendous job for the most part throughout the year. If we score, we win. So trying to get another bat in the line by doing that, that opened up a spot in the outfield for Kimple to go out there, Britton sliding over to center field, Fitzgerald, the DH, allows us to get Cofield in the lineup every day. So... That's what went into the decision, and just trying to figure out how we could do that. 
you know, Matt just kind of asked Tyler, man, you ever play any other position? You know, because you're trying to figure out where, who you can move guys, where. You know, and then and then guys that are left-handed throwers, they're can only play certain spots, mm-hmm. right? You know, so just messing around with TR and he said, I used to play infield coach. I'm like, when did you play infield? Well, in junior college. He actually went to junior college as an infielder. And then for the same reasons that he needed to move him here, his JUCO coach needed to move him because he wanted to get another bat in the lineup. So they decided, to, well, he's athletic. Let's see if he can play center field. He became an All-American center fielder in junior college. And so we signed him as a center fielder. And then now we need another bat. Hey, have you ever played the infield? Sure, I did. So we move him, and he's made plays. He made plays this weekend at third base that we hadn't made all season. ESPN1420.com, like you said, trying to find that offense. Um, it seems like that's what the team needs now. Mm-hmm. You see it when you guys get to four, five, six runs. You're going to, for the most part, most of the time you've won this year. It seems like, you know, you, you hear the old phrase, hitting is infectious. Um, it seemed like for a while there, correct me if I'm wrong, when you guys were maybe having a tough day at the plate, Ben Fitzgerald was usually the one exception, um, and he was still hitting well no matter what. As of late, he's been down a little. Is is there a guy in the dugout in the clubhouse that's got a little Chase Conrad in him, kind of the alpha of when things are not going well, they're going to really i don't want to say beat up or anything like like literally but kind of metaphorically right, just vocal just guys really because i i think from my standpoint seems like there's a lot of it does it seems like they're very positive right they're, they're mm-hmm. trying to keep each other up but i think you know what i'm going for here that alpha of like we got to quit bleeping around here you know is there is there a guy like that on this team well there's there's there hasn't been anyone that's blown up you know so to speak as um you mentioned Jace Conrad. It, it'd be hard to duplicate, you know, that. He's the extreme he's, of that, but, he, but right. I think you get where I'm going. Yeah, right? absolutely, I do. You know, Tyler, TR has kind of done that a couple of times, you know, in the dugout, in the clubhouse, you know, tried to be uh, that guy that kind of gets him going and, and, you know, says, hey, enough's enough. You know, this is this is what we need to do. And there's some, you know, they're, they're, this group doesn't really have that so to speak, guy. They've got a lot of guys that know the right way and model it, you know. But there's, you know, Brendan Bro has been a little vocal at times, TR. So there's a few guys, you know, that will stand up and, and say something. Um, to, to say we have that guy is just going to, sure. you know, holler at the top of his lungs and, and knock some things down, you know, at least at this point, that hasn't happened yet. Do you think that would be a good thing for this team if they did win – not maybe 24-7, but when you're having those days where it's hitting is infectious and sometimes lack of hitting is infectious. Well, that's right? kind of tough to, to do, I think, when you, you know, because our season, we went from playing really good early on, mm-hmm. so it's not needed, right? You don't you don't need to have that type of outburst, you know, by anyone, all right? And then you go through a skid of, you know, four or five games where you're a little inconsistent, but it's like, hey, let's we're going to come out of it. Then we're going to eight-game win streak, so nobody's going to blow up during that, right? And then you go where you're a little inconsistent again, where you, you win one, you lose one, you win one, you lose one. So, you know, there's it's never there's never been 
Well, we had this stretch of, you know, five, six conference games in a row that, that we lost. But, you know, it hasn't been a total disaster, so to speak, where somebody has had to, you know. Now, you know, somebody in the coaching staff may sure. have done that. Sure. But it's none different of the when it comes from it. a player, right? Right. You exactly. see the impact uh, is, is a little different. And, um, no, I, and, and I, I'm always, I always probably overanalyze myself, like a team psychologically. I mean, I'm not a therapist, but like every, the identity and personality of every team is different. And I remember every year, especially after like a really good year, mm-hmm. beginning of the next season, Robe, I mean, I, I can only imagine what he'd tell the team, but he'd always make sure to prove a point to the media like, you got to stop with these comparisons. This is totally different. Yeah. You know, just because that guy was on the team last year doesn't mean this. It is a it's a whole new journey every year. It's a, you know, it's not it's a new book. It's not the next chapter. Right. And um, I, I just the personality of this team, just kind of nitpicking here or there, looking at what what makes them tick here or there. That's why I I was I was thinking of that question and um, and you know, kind of went from athlete to that. But you mentioned Connor Cook as being. Maybe the best athlete on the team. Tyler Robertson being up there as well. We'll talk about Cook's performance. Want to dig into Arigetti a little bit. A lot of chatter out there about tipping pitches. What's what's reality? What's not? We're going to dig into all of that and the upcoming series this weekend at Russo Park. No limited capacity anymore, guys. It's May. The weather's beautiful right now. It is right now, for sure. Beautiful day out. Great time to watch some baseball. Don't go anywhere. The Great Scott Show continues after this. It's sponsored by Suit Up. Anthony Babineau is in the studio as he is each Wednesday. It's ESPN 1420 and .com. That's Babs walk-up music. Billy Ocean. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show, everybody. The Great Sports Callers Open Think Tanks. Suit Up. If you're listening via the stream, the show is brought to you by Champagne's Market on the Oil Center. Champagne's going the extra mile. The stream is brought to you by that. Uh, Louisiana's Raging Cajuns. Uh, Got one win over the weekend in another terrific performance across the board, but really from Connor Cook and the way that he's playing right now, Bab, he just seems to be in the zone. We're talking about that earlier in the season with Eric Getty, but what's working best for Cook right now? Well, he's commanding everything for one, you know, and that slider is so good. For a strike, for a strikeout, his velocity is is he's holding his velocity throughout the game. He's just he's just being very very consistent. You know he's always had that stuff, but he hasn't always been in the strike zone consistently. When you can do that, man, you can really. You can really get things done, especially when you have that type of stuff. The changeup is working for him now. He's a three-pitch guy. When you could command three with velocity and wipe out stuff, you can really, really have success, and that's what you're seeing right now from Connor. Um, we talk about hitting being infectious. When a pitcher's got it going like that, what does that do for the offense? Well, it, you know, it just it it relaxes them knowing that you know, hey, I think we talked about this. The previous previous show, it, it it sometimes it works both ways. They relax and they score a lot of runs, or they don't score many because they know they don't have to score many, so they just get one or two or three. And then the guy who pitches a, you see this all the time. The guy that throws a a, a 
one hitter, two oh, yeah. hitter, three I, hitter, I, I, gives up just one run, loses. Because I follow the Mets. <laughs> That's the story of poor Jacob DeGrom. You know, Trust me, yeah, I've seen absolutely. that. Um, all right, well, let, let, I want to I hit on Eric Getty for a minute because that was that was wild on Friday. I mean, he really, it was. he seemed to have it going, and it's, there it is, there's Spencer. And then all at once in, what, the fifth with two outs, in a matter of just a couple of minutes, it's all... It's all downhill from there. Deggs mentioned something about possibly tipping pitches. I've heard from folks that say, you know, I think Jay said yesterday, you know, he seems to be tipping, but they're having trouble figuring out if that's how accurate that is, how true that is. What's what's happening right now with Spencer in terms of it's it's not it seems like it's not a slow process of okay, and now it's gone. It's like, how do I put it? Like He's throwing 92 mile an hour fastball, then the slider, and doesn't mix in that slow curve a ton. He was mixing that in early on Friday, um, and it seemed like the pitchers were waiting for one thing. And then the nine hole hitter, who's not has doesn't have any good numbers, is sitting there. Oh, oh, slider with two away, blast it! Like it, it is he waiting on that pitch? What's happening with Arigetti right now? Well, you know, in that situation on Friday, they they either were sitting pitches and did a very good job of squaring them up whenever they got it or they had something on them and and we've been look we've looked at video from the last 3 weeks it's all different he's doing something different so to say he's you know he's still tipping is is tough to say to say that they squared up 9 balls in a row that's tough to say it's it's really you don't best we know or best we can figure out they didn't have anything on him you know um he missed on some of his pitches during that stretch where those first, you know, 11 hitters or whatever it was that he was successful on, he, he wasn't missing pitches. And, but yeah, I tell you, man, if, if they just were sitting pitches and guessing, or not guessing, but sitting a certain pitch throughout the at bat, they did a tremendous job of when they got that pitch, not missing it. Yeah. It seemed like they were kind of sitting off on the off speed and, and- ready for the slider. Someone's like, is it happening during the stretch? I'm like, I don't know. I'm not, I don't coach baseball. And someone said, well, what do they think? I said, I'm sure if they knew that things would be different now, but the the, the thing on Friday was so weird. Um, it just, it, it felt like for a while there, like that Spencer, you know, and, and it just in a second, I don't know. I mean, was, how do you, how do you, you, you got a, an all-star on your staff that knows pitching as well as anybody. Like how do, what's the approach this week for Friday's game with, with Arigetti? Do you change anything or is it kind of just the same approach? Well, you know, it's an, it's a non-conference opponent, but I know they have, I'm sure reached out to the teams we played, you know, for scouting reports. Now you're not supposed to give up conference opponents so you know hopefully if they've reached out to South Alabama or Little Rock or you know whoever we've played or hopefully they haven't given up our stuff to them because they're not supposed to um but we'll see you know if if they have any information or or you know I know they've looked at video again to see if they can you know find something I mean if 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 we can't figure out what he's doing as a pattern, it's it's hard to say that someone else is because I mean, our guys are just as good as at, at picking things up than you know the next guy. And so you see relatively him more than speaking, anybody. correct, and we see him more than anybody. 
So, you know, it lends itself more to being just a situation where they said, hey, look, we can do nothing with this guy or we're having no success. He's got everything working. We can't, we certainly can't try to deal with all four pitches. Just pick one. Let's see what happens. If that's the case, again, kudos to them and just a tremendous job they did because BJ and I were talking in the clubhouse afterwards and like we could throw batting practice and tell a guy what's coming and chances are they wouldn't square it up or get a hit nine times in a row, right? So that was just a, a phenomenal event and see what, you know, he's excited to go out there this Friday and get back on the on the rubber and, and redeem himself. So um, we'll see how this, how it goes this week. Yeah, he's he's got, he has that mindset of, that you wanted a pitcher, right? You can't hit my stuff, even when he's coming off a rough game. Mm-hmm. Doesn't seem like his mindset to start a game is any different um, week to week. So how has he how has he handled all this uh, he's, practice? He's fine. Even you know in the dugout Friday after he got taken out, um, like he wasn't wigging at, wigging out or anything. He was just you know kind of as perplexed as the rest of us. You know, just like man, I got to. I got to figure this out. I don't. I don't know what I'm doing. I've changed some things up, you know. So, and it's so tough to get someone hot during that stretch because, you know, he's cruising along. Right. You're not thinking we better start warming guys up. And that's no, the other one. Someone's like, "Why didn't they bring someone in sooner?" I'm like, "Well, they didn't see that coming." Well, didn't see it coming, and, and it takes time to, you know, it takes time, a little bit of time to get someone hot, and and plus, like you just mentioned, didn't see it coming. I mean, there's two outs, there's two strikes. You know, on the hitter in the fifth or whatever it, so, it was, it was so and weird, hit. Okay, well he's going to get the next guy out. Hit. Well he's going to get the next guy out. Hit. Well, start some, at some point this is, he's going to. I mean he's going to get the guy out. Hit. It starts warming someone up. You know, and by the time guy gets hot, you know they're nine hits into it and and six, eight run whatever it was. Right. Seven or eight runs. Um, it's not like another sport where you just bring a guy off the bench when it's pitcher. I mean it's just right. it's not. You ever bring a guy in just ice cold, no warm-ups? I mean, you can't mm-hmm. do that in baseball. Cannot. ESPN1420 and .com. Well, um, like you said, you know he's anxious at it. He's talking about Arigetti and Cook yesterday. Um, and I know that you've got this non-conference series, uh, and then you got UT Arlington, and then you've got uh, Troy. I think you got UNO and Southern in there as well. And then you got the conference tournament, and the system for the Sunbelt tournament can be confusing when you just look at it on paper. Um, but Jay just kind of broke it down perfect for the listeners yesterday when he was on with me is what, you got four pods, right? Four pods of three, three teams. Three teams in each pod. And the one that has the best record, everybody's guaranteed to play twice in the pod. The one that has the best record advances. If there's a tie in terms of, well, these teams went one and one or all three teams went one and one or whatever, um, then the team that's seeded highest gets to advance. Um, two games in a pot. It, it, is just the two games nerve-wracking, or is it the flip when you've got guy like Arigetti, who we talked about what happened on Friday, but we also know when he's got his stuff how good he is, and Connor Cook, does that give a, a team like you guys? My, I guess my question is the current setup of your team this year. Do you like the idea of the pod system in the tournament, or do you prefer the old traditional way? Well, in the grand scheme of things, we prefer the old traditional way. But the way things are going for us this year, 
you know, with that one-two punch we have of Arigetti and Cook and, and two games in the pod, we feel pretty good. You know, anytime those two guys are on the mound, you win those two, you find yourself in the semifinal. You do something crazy and win. That. I say do something crazy. You know, you win that game. You're in, the, you're in the, yeah, take care of business. You're in the championship game. You know, and anything can happen in that, in that game. You get that done, you're in the regional, uh, which is the goal, which is what we need to have happen. So uh, the way things are going this year for us, we kind of, especially if depending on what seed we end up being and when we play, because the tournament is So you have a situation where if we play Tuesday, Spencer pitches Tuesday, we get that done, and then whatever day we play next, and then the semifinal is not till Saturday. You know, you get to bring Spencer back, potentially three days rest, uh, and then possibly Cook back on three days rest for a championship. So, you know, it sets up kind of good for us. We like the old-fashioned double elimination tournament. We, we always have. We've done this pool play a few times in the tournament, you know, experimented with it. Some people like it. Some people don't. What's the reason they're doing it this year? Is it just a COVID decision? For all 12 teams being, yes, just given. Because nobody really knew, and there's only been a handful of games that haven't been able to happen because of COVID. But just not knowing how many games would be affected, this decision was made, just let's take everyone, because someone's season really could realistically have been, I don't know if ruined is the right term, but severely messed up due to cancellation of games because of COVID and, and have might not had the same opportunities as someone else to qualify for the tournament because of games not being played. So they said, let's just take everyone. I guess if it's uh, a team can't play because of COVID and there's only two teams in a pod, they're not going to make a play three times. So I guess you just play twice. And if you're the higher seed, all you got to do is win one of them, I guess. I don't know. I mean, questions that I know the Sun Belt is hoping not to answer, but you know, I, I, I commend the Sun Belt for being proactive. And like you said, it's easy to second guess and say, well, now here we are in May and the vaccine and it's not that much. I, I went through college basketball season. I mean, I saw the number of, of cancellations and for them to plan ahead, um, that they, they did the right thing. And like you said, this, this might be a year where the pod system is one that, okay, normally we wouldn't like it. But, you know, if our two guys have it going, that's a, that's a pretty good setup, especially if you're playing on that Tuesday. But, um, that that's still a ways away. Um, what what a non conference opponent this late in the season, and I don't want to downplay it, Bab. Just look at the numbers. They they they're not a very good baseball team. If you just look at the numbers, what's what what do you guys want to accomplish this season? Excuse me, this season, this series. I, I know it's a very general question, and you can answer the same week to week. But this this weekend is a little different, being when you consider the opponent and at where we're at here now in the part of the schedule. Well, for us, what we want to accomplish is what we've been trying to accomplish really all season is consistency. You know, we haven't, you know, if we would be 32 and 11 right now and just rolling along in conference play, then maybe this weekend maybe could be approached a little bit differently. But that's not the case for us. At least that's not the way we feel. You know, we're going to use this weekend to hopefully play consistent baseball. It's a weekend that it gives TR more reps at third base 
to get a little bit more comfortable there, you know, and just to try and play consistent baseball. And that's, that's our goal for this weekend. It's obviously to come out of here with three wins. We've got to get the first one Friday night, though, in order to do that. So, you know, it should be, I'll say that, should be a weekend where we can get three wins. But we've got to play, and we've got to play well. They're not going to, they're not going to as Coach Robe used to say, walk up to the plate without a bat in their hand, you know, or they're not going to take the, take the mound without a ball. So they're going to want to play well against us, and, and we're going to have to play. But but as I mentioned for us, because of the way this season has gone, this is we're not approaching this any differently, trust me, than we have any other weekend. Spencer's going to start Friday. Connor's going to start Saturday. Now, do they go the normal pitch count that they've gone? I, I don't know that. I don't know the answer I to that on the question. Score of the game. Yes, that's going to depend on the score and, and, and other things. But we're really taking no different approach than we have any other weekend this season. Sunday still, you feel like, TBA week to week? Yes. Yes. ESPN1420.com, North Alabama coming to Russo Park Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Schedule, hopefully weather doesn't alter any of it, but knock on wood. 6 o'clock Friday, 4 o'clock Saturday, 1 o'clock on Sunday Pre-game 30 minutes prior on News Talk 96.5 KPL, powered by Learfield IMG College. Jay Walker and Brad Topham have the call. Um, you ever? I, I know you've you've hung out with Jay on the road over the years. Have you, have you hung out with Brad at all? A little bit. Say something mean about him. No. <laughs> Just kidding. No. <laughs> Brad's a good dude. He's a great guy. And uh, I really enjoy his... Um, I, I, I enjoy... Top's a, take? I enjoy, I enjoy Top's take. take. I enjoy Top's take. The what show is Top's take? It. I hear that all the time because Jay comes down into the dugout or behind the batting batting cage pregame to do the um the Now it's time for Top's take the after this two-minute timeout. And when he's Radio signing. Cajun Sports Network powered by Learfield IMD. When Gauntlet. he's signing off, I always hear him say when we come back, we've got Top's take. Top breaks and down. I know that it's top's take on the game, sure, but but sure. that's it. You nailed it. You know the analysis that coming in, but just a baseball mind of, um, you know, uh, he sees things that I see as like a, a casual observer of baseball that covers it. You know, for this show and this job, but um, yeah, uh, really really smart, knows the game and uh, his analysis on the broadcast. And the two the two of them make for a really really good broadcast. And I always tell folks, look. You know, when you're watching on TV, sync it up, man. Like, get, get turn the radio up. You can button. You can get the two together if you use a stream. However, you want to do it. But um, <laughs> inevitably, if, if it's like Dan or some locals, you know, you don't hear. I don't. I don't hear complaints. But sometimes when it's a different broadcast and it's somebody that's a quote outsider, nothing. Mm-hmm. I, I think they they're okay. But you know, fans are like they don't even know how to pronounce the name. It's like, well, why are you listening to them? Turn on the radio call, man. Hear the guys go to work. It's good stuff. And uh, we'll be listening to them this weekend. ESPN1420N.com. So at non-conference schedule this weekend, 24-game conference format this year. Is that going to Are they looking at changing it? How do the teams feel about it? that and more when we come back right after this. It's the great Scott Show, ESPN1420, ESPN1420.com, and the ESPN1420 app.
ESPN1420.com. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show, sponsored by Suit Up. Anthony Babineau in studio. Louisiana Rage Occasion Associate Head Baseball Coach in here with us. Uh, we've talked about the hitters, John Crook, Arigetti, Connor Cook, athletes in baseball, versatility, North Alabama, the pods in the conference tournament. What about the non-conference schedule this year? You You pointed it out last week to me that the way the conference schedule was laid out, every team this year had two weeks during conference play where they wouldn't have it. It just so happened for you guys the first week of conference play. You, so it didn't – it's why this week kind of feels like, um, I don't know, just a, a step – it, it feels a little different. 24-9 conference format, is that something you think – or do you see them possibly next year in the future going back to 30? We're going back to 30 next year. It's happening. Correct. Now, why is that? Was it just overall coaches saying, what are we doing? Well, it was overall some coaches saying they were having difficulties scheduling, finding teams to play, which we like the two non-conference weekends. It gives us an opportunity to schedule outside of conference this year. TCU, obviously great non-conference opponent. The weekend we have North this weekend, North Alabama coming in. This was originally scheduled to be Sam Houston State. But after Matt came here and, and Jay at Sam Houston who took over, after we played the first year, kinda got together and said, Hey, look, let's let's not play anymore. At least, you know, right just because it's tough when you it's tough playing good friends. It it really is, you know, especially programs that you've coached at before. So that's why this weekend is is not Sam Houston, and it took a little while to find an opponent. Finally, we're able to find North Alabama, but you know that, that weekend allowed us to get TCU in here. Now we're going to return the trip, but they they were coming in in here, so we like the opportunity to schedule non conference opponents just for RPI purposes. Some felt that it was a little tough to do. It was put to a vote. So it sounds like you were not for it. You would you twenty four correct format. Yes, we like the flexibility of being able to play. Now you whoever you, you schedule the game, so you can speak to it, Bab. How you you brought up while it wasn't originally supposed to be North Alabama and why, but how difficult it is it when you know you've got time. It's one thing in a COVID year where you you don't have as much time and you're shuffling things but in a typical year if it's 24 every year and you got to fill those two weekends how difficult is that for you and is it i would imagine it's not as difficult for you as say the guy at little rock that's having to schedule the games well i mean it's difficult in the sense of you've got to go through sometimes a few teams and and a lot of phone calls and some emails to find that right opponent but it can be done if you work diligently enough yeah at it um it's tougher to find someone a good opponent that'll come here it's real easy to pick up the phone and call. Hey, we'll go over there and Vanderbilt play or or Fullerton or whoever, and say, "Hey, you know, we'd like to play." Yeah, we'll go there. That's easy to do, but to find someone that'll that's willing to come here, and, and we've spoke about this before. I mean, we've got a great venue, uh, a great tradition. Team R, they know that they're not going to take an RPI hit when they come here, and they're going to get treated right, fed well. You know, so we have a little advantage. I understand that. But I think no matter where you are, if, if, because every one of our schools, in my opinion, within the conference are positioned in decent enough places where there's a lot of good baseball teams around them. Mm-hmm. 
That's my feeling. So I think it can be done. But as I said, it's going back to 30 next year, so I don't have to worry about it. <laughs> I don't have to worry about scheduling non-conference opponents during the conference season. How many – I'm not in tune enough with all of the other conferences in baseball to know, but is it common for a lot of conferences to have non-conference openings later in the season? There are a few. There are a few. Not There's more that don't than do. So it's easier but, to schedule that if 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 it lines up like it did this year when that first weekend is much easier because not every conference begins the same week. Had to do it like in conference week six and nine. It's a little more difficult than it was and, this and year. And I get that, but we, we, you still are like I would still prefer that. Yes, I would do it. Yes, flexibility. And and look, some conferences better than others from an RPI standpoint. This is not one of those years in the Sun Belt. Correct. Um, and so if it's TCU instead of another conference series, then, you know, it, it looks like the Sun Belt this year will will be a uh, a one-bid league. So go win that tournament. We talked about pod play. We broke everything down. Uh, my final question for you this morning, Bab, in terms of the baseball team is what what is in your mind in doing this? And I'm not, I'm not trying to get you in trouble, but <laughs> you're not. You, I'm huh? prefacing it with that. But you're going to ask the question. Ask, anyway. I got to. I got to. Oh, okay. You've been doing this for a long time. Mm-hmm. And what is, in your mind, the biggest disconnect or misconception that a fan – and this might this doesn't even have to be specific to, to the Cajuns. This can just be college baseball in general. What is the biggest disconnect or misconception uh, part of the game from a fan standpoint as opposed to reality and what's happening within – the context of a game or in the clubhouse or, or whatever. Does that make sense? Like where, what is the thing you, you were asked about the most where you're like, you know what? I just, I might, I understand why they feel that way, but it's just different. And I don't think they'll ever quite understand it. Well, number one, the people that are not in the dugout don't always, or don't ever know what's going on in the dugout as far as moves being made decisions that they're being made, why they're being made, why they were not being made. So for me, the biggest disconnect is just assumptions that are made. And I say that and kind of know that to be true because when I'm watching a game on TV and a move is made or something happens, I create my own assumption of why they did or did not do that. So I know other people are. It's only natural. I think that's the biggest disconnect is just not having all the facts as to why certain moves were made, why a certain play was called, you know, in any sport, not just not just for for baseball. So that's that's the answer. It's just it's just assumptions, assuming. assumptions without the information. Correct. Without the I without all of the information. All of the information. But that's always going to be the case in in sport. Absolutely. Nothing's going to change it. So, no. you know, it's not it's not a, a complaint as much as it's just look, this is reality of sport and that's part of the dynamic of fan and team. There's always going to be that wall no matter what. Do you think fans now just with more information in terms of Information. I will use the word light, uh, loosely, but in terms of how closely they can follow a team, there's a lot more ways, there's a lot more avenues than there was just 20 years ago. 
do you think that heightens that assumption, sometimes criticism, because, well, I have information now, so I think I know more, when in reality, you might know more, but you'll never know all of the information. Well, certainly no more. They certainly know more because of, as you mentioned, technology and, and just more information being out there. But you're right. You never really know all of it. They know a little bit more than they used to, but not the whole story. ESPN 14. never know the whole story. Anthony Babineau has been our guest. You can uh, you can follow Bab. He's on social media. Anthony Bab16. He's got over 2,000 followers. I remember him. Years ago, just begging to get up to a thousand. I'll never forget <laughs> Billy that. He had, was a whole, begging for he had a whole campaign on the <laughs> yes. radio. He was he was like a politician. Give me up to over a thousand. I don't uh, think there's a there's still it's not that blue check by my by my name. No, right? no, mine neither. Yeah. Mine neither. <laughs> we do have one next to the station's name though, so I'll just I'll just live vicariously through the that. The company you work for has the blue check and the one I work for has the blue check. Yeah, but so, they don't want to give it to us. <laughs> no. Like, can I get one? Nope. <laughs> Thanks a lot. That's going to do it for the great Scott Show. Bab, always appreciate you coming in, man. Rage Cage of Baseball this weekend against North Alabama. Full capacity allowed. Get your ticket. If you're on a different ticket plan this year, you can go and still get into the game. Pack it. Make it special. Help Russo Park uh, at MLT Moore Field be what we all know it can be. That's this weekend, 6, 4, and 1 o'clock start times, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Bab, appreciate the time, man. We'll talk to you next week. All the best. Sounds good, Scott. Thank you, sir. All right. That's going to be that show sponsored by Suit Up.